This is the Kavnis HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Kavnis. Hello, and welcome to the Kavnis HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. Our guest today is Dr. Tim Baker. Dr. Baker, are you ready to be great today? Absolutely, Jason. Dr. Tim Baker is a thought leader, international consultant, and successful author. Dr. Baker was recently voted as one of the 50 most talented global training and development leaders by the World Human Resource Development Congress, which is awarded by a distinguished international panel for professionals who are doing extraordinary work in the field of HRD. Dr. Baker is the author of The Eight Values of Highly Productive Companies, Creating Wealth from a New Employment Relationship, and the following books, The End of the Performance Review, A New Approach to Appraising Employment Performance, Attracting and Retaining Talent, Becoming an Employer of Choice, The New Influencing Toolkit, Capabilities for Communicating with Influence, Conversations at Work, Promoting a Culture of Conversation in a Changing Workplace, Co-author with Ob Warren. The end of the job description, shifting from a job focus to a performance focus, performance management for agile organizations, overthrowing the eight management myths, holding businesses back. His managing director of Winners at Work, which specializes in leadership development and performance management. Dr. Baker has conducted over 2,430 seminars, workshops, and keynote addresses to over 45,000 people in 11 countries across 21 industry groups and regularly writes for HR Industry Press. Dr. Baker, you're doing a lot. I mean, a lot of people say they're HR leader, but you can truly say you're HR leader. So, Dr. Baker, oh, what what are you working on right now? I'm working on my uh, my eighth book, Jason, and the, the book is, well, the rough title at least, is the, the 10 Powerful Conversations that Leaders Must Have. And the subtitle is Bringing the Human Being Back to Work. And I guess he says it all. I'm really interested in getting leaders to who have developmental and performance conversations on a regular basis with the people that they lead. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. And what happens is we normally store that up for the performance review. That happens, as you know, once or twice a year. And that's problematic because it means that people do actually store up all of their feedback to those two uh, incidents or these two sort of uh, events. So, yeah, that's that's work at the moment, Jason. Dr. Baker, how did you become so interested in, in helping leaders out? What started that process for you? Yeah, it's a good question. I, first of all, I'm very interested in people and always have been. And, you know, I'm sitting in my office at the moment and a lot of my books are around successful people, biographies, autobiographies. I'm very just passionate about what makes people tick. And I guess when you look at an organisation, if you're looking at leverage, probably the place to start is with the leadership. If the leadership isn't working, the organisation is going to be having problems and challenges. And the opposite is true. If the leadership is working, it can be a huge boom for the organisation. Essentially, why I put energies into leadership development. Dr. Becky, you're located in Australia, correct? Correct, yes. Brisbane, Australia. Yeah. Do you do most your work in Australia or are you worldwide? Or do you, do you go to the, for your for your businesses? Uh, worldwide, Jason, yeah. So I've actually conducted consulting assignments in 12 countries. And yeah, so I, I do spend a fair bit of time traveling as well. So do you get most of your business from word of mouth, I'm guessing? Or do you have an actual marketing plan for your business? Uh, word of mouth at this stage in my career, I, I obviously in the early stages, there was uh, a lot of 
knocking on doors and so forth. But this day, now I get a lot of rips coming through from people that might have read my books or perhaps have gone to my website as a result of the books. And I, it's always a pleasant experience to turn on your email every morning and find these interesting opportunities from all over the world where people who engage you. But so, Dr. Baker, when you're working with a company, how long does it take for you to figure out if they're going to get it or not? Like, how, how do you know they're going to actually retain the knowledge you've given them or, or, or how many of them are just like, you know, giving you lip service? Yeah, that's a good question. And I mean, because I've been doing this for a long time, I'm very attuned to, to the sort of mindset of management and they're the ones, of course, that engage you. And you can, you can tell pretty quickly and it's really... Partly it's when they engage you. It's obviously if they engage you when the organisation's really in a dire straits, that's quite different to when they engage you early on in the process where they're going through a change process and they want to engage you and your knowledge. So I think another aspect is um, the way the engaged consultants in the first place. People have got interesting ideas about consultants can and can't do. Some of them think that you come along and you bring a magic wand with you and you uh, can just automatically change the organisation. And, of course, that's not true and uh, people will be happy if that doesn't happen. So I think uh, a realistic understanding of what my role is, you and wanting to resolve the people dimension of their business and wanting to follow through. I often set little tasks and, and little exercises for managers as tests early on in our professional working relationship. And the reason for that is that I want to see whether people will actually take it and try a few things. So that, that there's a couple of ways that, that I know. Dr. Becker, is there a certain organization type that you specialize in, like a certain industry, a certain size, or you take all comers? All comers, anyone that's got people in it, that's everyone. I work across different industries, and the other day I was thinking about the range of clients that I work with, and they range from orchestras. So I do a lot of work with orchestras in this world, right in, in Australia and New Zealand, right through to military and paramilitary. So a lot of work with uh, police, uh, work with military as well. So and everything in between. And what's interesting about all of that is that. People will often say they're unique, very different processes, but at the end of that, with people, and that's the interesting part of it. Dr. Baker, since you work with, with different countries, do you find you have, to, you have to change your approach depending on what country you're working in? Do you use the same, same approach for all, all countries? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's very interesting when I just ran workshops, for example, in parts of Asia, when I would ask questions of the participants in the room and find that I wasn't getting any answers back at all. It was, you know, it's part of that saving face concept that people didn't want to sort of make mistakes or say the wrong thing. So I actually had to have a far more structured approach where, for example, I'd get each group into discuss a topic and one of those people nominate to actually answer the question in front of the group. So I found in certain parts of Asia, for example, I had to be far more structured in terms of how I presented. Because in Australia and I dare say the United States, it's a little bit more open and you, know, you can ask a question and people will engage. So yes, I, I have found 
very interesting. Dr. Baker, do you ever, have you ever had to disqualify potential clients because you just felt it wouldn't be a good fit for you? I have. You know, certainly in the early part of my career, I wouldn't have done that. I just took anything that I could get my hands on, of course, as you do when you're starting out. But no, I have the luxury now to do that. And I guess it comes down to a case of how people, you know, how they see me and how genuine they are in their process. For example... I turned down a client who wanted to use a 360-degree feedback methodology to sack an employee. So they weren't happy with this person's work. So what they wanted to do was to call me in to do some 360-degree feedback to then illustrate clearly that this person wasn't up to the mark. And I rejected that assignment because that's not my role. My role's there to be providing information for people to you know, sack people in the workplace. And of course, the 360-degree tool isn't for that. It's a developmental tool, not a, an evaluation piece. So, yeah, I have had cases where that has happened. Yes. Dr. Baker, Nix, talk about a time you, you were successful in the past, what you learned from the success, and what we can learn from the success. Yeah, I reflected on this earlier, and I thought that um, I'm now on book number eight, and I'm very proud of that achievement, and, and people often say to me, well, how do you actually you know, obviously you're consulting, you're, you know, you're lecturing at university, you're coach who gets time to do this, and I've reflected on that, and I thought, well, first of all, I love writing, and I think that's important. Secondly, I am very disciplined, and so what happens is that I set aside two hours every day. And that's non-negotiable. And that's my time of writing or reading. That means that I can knock out two books a year. And so I guess, you know, and the key things out of that is not about writing books necessarily, but the key messages about that is that you need to be doing things that you love doing. You know, you really have a passion for it. That's firstly the most important thing. And secondly is to have a process of discipline prioritising. We've all only got 24 hours a day, of course. So therefore, the trick is to say, you know, how we can use that time. And if you're very ruthless with your priorities, uh, it's amazing how quickly success can come about. Most of us get business and uh, all sorts of trivia and we wonder where all the days and the hours and the minutes are. So, yeah, you know, discipline and... Yes, that's, that's very good. Dr. Baker, next, tell us about a time that you failed, what you learned from this failure, and what our listeners going to learn from this experience you had. Yeah, look, I, I, you know, um, I can recall that I set myself some goals. And, you know, each year I set, set goals for the year. And um, really what I do is I bite off more than I can chew. And someone said to me that you know, 10 years is longer than we think here isn't as long as we think. In other words, when we set annual goals, we'll pack a lot of things in and expect to achieve a lot of things. And, and I, at the end of that year, I looked and I thought, my goodness, I've only achieved about 25% of what I put down. So in my sense, at least, I felt, though, of course, you could argue that that 25% was a success. I realised then and there that the, the key to success and life and wanting to, you know, achieve what you want to achieve is about priority. So it's achieving perhaps a few things and doing those really well and lots of things sort of roundabout. So I, that was the lesson I got from that, that it's all about focusing on a few important things and 
putting your energies into those. The lesson, and for now, I'm far more modest in terms of the, uh, uh, you know, the, the number of goals that I try and achieve each year. And next, tell us about someone who's helped you in the past and how they helped you. Right. Okay. Well, I remember very early on in my consulting year, I joined an organisation in uh, Brisbane here in Australia, and so basically, I could learn the rope, if you like, learn learn the consulting industry. Uh, what, what I found really interesting is that there was a gentleman in that organisation, which was a bit, of a, he was a bit of a legend at the time. His name was John Clements. He's not with us. Uh, he he would take me under his wing. He was my uh, mentor. I was happy to be mentored because he of success, built up a successful international business. Uh, he had high technical skills, which is obviously important. He had a real way with his clients uh, in a way that wasn't really a, you know, a selling way. It was more he was able to connect. He had wonderful rapport. He had this ability to really connect with going out visit with him one day. We were sitting there and he was giving feedback to his, uh, his manager on their 360-degree roughly there to observe. So my job was just to sit there and watch and see how he did that. Uh, he went through his routine and it, it took about an hour and it all, it all finished and I was suitably impressed and we got into the car and we were driving back to the office. And he said to me something along the lines of, uh, you really need to be paying attention in these meetings. And I said, what do you mean, John? And he said, I see that clearly you had zoned out first because he was doing the feedback and I was just sitting there and my mind would wander. But I thought that was very impressive on two levels. The fact that he actually caught me not paying attention because I was certainly trying to pretend that I was paying attention. I thought that was interesting. How could he put all his energy in this one person give this magnificent feedback and yet still be aware MT wasn't paying 100% attention. Interesting. So a lot of awareness, a lot of awareness of what's going on around him. The other thing, of course, that was very useful is right, that is usually paying you a fair, a fair hourly rate. And as a result of that, you have absolutely 100% commitment to that client. So that's what I learned. I learned to be. I learned that uh, when you're in the company of a client, it's the world. That's where you need to be. You need to pay your attention. So yeah, I, I thought it was. It sounds like a fairly simple lesson, but it stuck with me. And I have ever since then realised that you know the client's paying the bills. Frankly, you're there to serve the client, and you need to give them 100 percent attention. Doctor Baker, tell us something about yourself that most people don't know. I mean, your close family, close friends know this, but most people don't know this Know this about Dr. Tim Baker. I, I, one of the interesting things about me is that I'm allergic to blood, which, you know, most people think, well, how can that be? It's an interesting thing. I had a blood transfusion when I was younger, and fusion I had, and my skin was very scaly, and I had a lot of, you know, skin irritations and so forth, and nobody understood what that was, but then somebody realized that it was about blood plasma and my allergy to it. Most people might, a lot of people might be allergic to dust mite or, you know, sorts of things. 
from, from my point of view, I'm allergic to blood plasma. I mean, I'm allergic to my own blood plasma, but I'm allergic to perhaps other people's blood plasma. That's something that and I use that as a that, that is very interesting. Yeah, I, I, well, I, you know, people don't believe it. That's true. <laughs> so, Dr. Bickard, this next question I know is going to be hard for you, but can you recommend one of your books for our listeners? Yeah, look, uh, look, it depends on what people are looking for, but uh, one of the books that people, in a very general sense, might get something out of is new, the new influencing toolkit. Now, you can get this on my website on www.minusbook.com.au. But the book basically is assisting leaders, or anybody for that matter, to improve their uh, capabilities to persuade and influence other people. I guess we're all in that business of persuading and influencing. That's the first important point. But most of us will tend to persuade and influence other people based on our own view of how we like to be influenced and persuaded. That self is problematic because means that we're only going to be effective for a certain number of people. What the book does is it gives you a diagnostic that, you know, you can go into it and you can have a look and what your third influencing style is or influencing capability style is. There are 64 different practical strategies or tools to help you to improve your influence. So that would be a book I'd recommend, Jason. Dr. Baker, can you provide some of your social media platforms for yourself and your company so people could reach out to you? Yeah, I think if you go, I'm huge, uh, usually invested in LinkedIn. I think this is the one that I is the most useful for me. In the last count, I've got about 14,000 options uh, on there. Um, LinkedIn, yeah, if you just go in and you type in Maker on LinkedIn, I'm sure Dr. Tim Baker, I think he'll come up as you will, you'll be on that. And I'd be more than happy, of course, with any audience uh, if they choose to do that. And uh, Twitter as well, which I'm not quite up with that as much as others, but I'm still I'm getting there. That's uh, at, it's at work, which is handled for that. So. I'm happy to talk to people and engage with people through social media. And as I said before, my website's winnersatwork.com.au. Dr. Baker, what advice would you have someone who's just beginning out in the HR field? Like they just graduated from college. This is the first day in the new HR job. What advice would you, would you have for this person? Yeah, it's a uh, it's, uh, time that you ask that because as soon as I finish here, it's Saturday morning here in Australia. I'm actually off to do a, a mentoring and with the person that's going to end this year. So it is a very interesting question. I think I would suggest to people that they try and sample as many different types of HR as possible. Get involved in the journalist area. Most people, of course, would be because of that first job. Try a little bit of recruitment and selection. Have a look at performance management. Look at rewards and recognition. Even health and safety. Try all of those things. And then once you have something that you feel very comfortable with and you enjoy or perhaps even passionate about, be to start to specialise. Because I think, I might be wrong about this, but I think what's happening is that the HR profession is is a specialty, specialties. And as a result of that, people will have the opportunity to get something in development or performance management or whatever. So at some stage, we'll need to specialise, but 
to do that, you need to know what those specializing in. Dr. Baker, we'll come to the end of our talk. Can you provide any last words of wisdom or advice to our listeners? Yeah, look, I think the, the key bit of advice, and, and it's really my philosophy as well, is that I think organizations are a bunch of people working towards one direction. So once we lose sight of this, we've lost sight of the whole question of what HR is. And I think what's happened with HR is we're complicated. We're trying to create all sorts of interesting processes and procedures. And at the end of the day, we're really just talking about people and their primary motivations and so forth. And I think in our profession, we complicate things too much. And I just like us to keep reminding ourselves that this business is really about people and people are people and we need to treat people with dignity which uh, which I think is quickly important. That is so true Dr. Baker. For our listeners we're going to have a link to Dr. Baker's materials in our show notes. Dr. Baker thank you once again for being a guest on our podcast really appreciate it for you taking this time I know you're a busy person you're doing a lot of great stuff and to our listeners thank you for your time and remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Cadmus HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit CadmusHR.com or connect to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Cadmus HR or Jason Cadmus HR on Snapchat. Thanks again and be great every day.